Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. Yeah, back in the recording studio. Or Justin's kitchen. Yeah, I mean, recording studio. <laughs> Nobody knows. That's the best part about um, these like, this audio thing, right? Yeah. Nobody knows. You just do it wherever. Yeah, totally. I don't even have pants on right now. Uh, I mean, you do. Because <laughs> <laughs> we would be doing this over Skype or Zoom or something if you didn't. That would be really awkward if you just showed up at my house and I was like walking around in my chonies. No pants. Who needs them? <laughs> Let's do this episode. Um, well, I, I wouldn't be too far pressed to take my pants off because, dude, I just got back from somewhere where it was hot. Like, it's hot in the jungle. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, being from Louisiana, I, uh, I, I always think I have an idea of what hot is. Um, but then I think about like what real heat is when, you know, you have, you know, we were supposed to be in Costa Rica. That was going to be hot. You know, I mean, jungle hot is different. Jungle hot. <laughs> and the reason I think jungle hot is different is because from middle of the night to middle of the day, there's not a huge swing in temperature. Right. Right. Like in Colorado, like right now, I think it's, it's like 40 something out and I'm going to go ride when we're done here. Yeah. And it's but pleasant. It's pleasant because the sun. So like, it's going to be 40 something and I'm going to not have arm warmers or anything. I'm just going to go out in a t-shirt because of the sun. In the jungle, it's just like always hot. And it's the damn humidity. Like just, it's just wet, hot. I mean, it, it's a lot like New Orleans. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's 100 during the day and 90 at night. Yeah. So that's, that's why we drink, drink so heavily down there. <laughs> just forget about the heat for a little while. I, uh, I think there's a ton of reasons people drink heavily in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, I mean, if I recall, there's whorehouses in the streets. I mean, not really. I mean, sort of. <laughs> I think that's what they were. I think you have a, a vastly different idea of or remembrance of New Orleans. Well, I was on and, the one street. Anyway. Anyway. So, Panama. What did we do in Panama? Oh, uh, dude. <laughs> How so, did we get to Panama? Yeah. So, this is really cool. You know, we've been talking all season. I had, I had that National Ultra Endurance Series, and, and they award prizes, and... The prizes have been international races. That's the you know the first time I ever got introduced to NUE was in 2018 at La Ruta, and I had known really nothing about it. I had done Tatanka that year, but I wasn't really privy to the whole series. And I met you know half a dozen Americans down in Costa Rica racing, and they all were from the NUE, and they had won their respective categories. And their their trip to the to La Ruta was comped, so I knew the NUE gave out these really badass prizes. And so that was, you know, not the only reason I wanted to compete in it, but definitely a nice little, like, you know, capstone at the end of the season. And so this race, Cruz del Istmo, which is crossing the Isthmus, or basically crossing the country of Panama, was a prize for winning the 2019 championship. They got to go, and they were supposed to go in 2020. And then the race got pushed because of COVID. And so those of us that won 2020, we also, I got to slide in and join these guys and head down there. So it was myself. Eli Orth, who was the 2019 single speed champ, and Tinker Juarez, who had won the Masters division. Okay. Um, how crazy was it down there? I mean, you were, the pictures you were posting from just like the, the pre-ride around Panama was like... Dude, so... You found all the bike parts. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, so what we, we did... Uh, Abby and I went to the Gamboa Bike Park, which is... We didn't know what it was. I just thought it was like a system of 
trails, right? That you're going to go ride. Seems and, reasonable for yeah. a, something called a bike park. Right. And so it's a, it's a Friday, it's Friday. We got there on Thursday. It was Friday and it happened to be um, our anniversary, our 10 year wedding anniversary and Abby's birthday. Um, and so we're, we went and got her favorite coffee, the, the coffee beans. So we're in, down in Panama. We're at the coffee bean, which is like you can go get at DIA. And we're down there having a, a coffee bean drink she wanted. And I was like, what do you want to do today? She's like, well, whatever. I'm like, what's well, like, we got to do something. It's our like, anniversary. This isn't a whatever situation. We're yeah. in Panama. Yeah. It's your birthday. It's our anniversary. Yeah, we're doing something. Let's get loose. And so she's like, oh, I don't know. And so uh, as, as we're having this conversation, all my communication with the race director, um, Andres Montoya, was done through WhatsApp. Like, if you don't have WhatsApp in Central and Latin America, like, you can't talk to everyone uses WhatsApp. Which right. Is, I mean, I've used, I, I, nerd alert, like, I play video games online with people and I have friends in England and that's how we communicate for, and nobody has to pay exorbitant fees. Yeah, like, it just uses like Wi Fi. Yeah. It's like text yeah. on Wi Fi. Yeah, that's, that's how you talk to people internationally. Totally. And so I'm, I'm sitting there at the coffee bean and I get a message from Andres who says, Hey, if you guys are looking for stuff to do, and there's a bunch of options, and one of them was this Gamboa bike park. And I'm like, Dude, I'm in. So yeah. I click Gamboa bike park. I send the lady a message. Um, she messages me back. Now, the thing with communicating down there is that a lot of people do speak English, but the ones that I was communicating with were definitely not speaking English. So I was using WhatsApp and I was using Google Translator. I had the website up. <laughs> and so I'm doing full WhatsApp communication in Spanish. And like I'm good enough to get around. Like I can get around town, get around restaurants, get around. Like I can communicate enough to survive. But full complex coordinating of plans and whatnot is not my deal. So they're texting me. Uh, in Spanish, I'm copy pasting it into Google Translate, reading it, and then typing what I want in English, and then flipping it to Spanish, copy paste, putting it back in. So this is what's going on for me to communicate, and we get it all dialed in. This uh, lady's going to pick us up at the hotel, and she's going to drive us to the bike park. Um, they have a bike there for Abby to rent. I had my bike, and we're going to ride, and then she'll bring us back. And like all of this was done, like hour drive each way, and the park. It was done for like 115 bucks, so yeah. it was a pretty cool deal. So we go, we we ride the Gamboa bike park, and She's giving us the instructions and telling us where to go. And at this point, she thinks I'm proficient in Spanish because I've been WhatsApping in like full <laughs> so fluid She's times. talking to you. She's talking to me in Spanish. And I'm just doing like the stupid American thing. I'm just like smiling, nodding, and saying like, yeah, and hmm, uh, and, and trying to make sense of it. So she gives us full instructions on, on where to go in the bike park. And I'm like, yeah, I got it. Cool. And so we take off. And... I see just a sign that says trail, and I'm like, we're going that way. <laughs> Abby and I end up in, here, put it this way, we Stravaed it, right? We went 32 minutes, and our total distance was 1.8 miles, because we turned right into the jungle and just got swallowed. Dude, we were on a trail that, it was, first off, it was a hiking trail, and it had just, you know, rained because it's the jungle. So it has always just rained. Yeah. And we were riding through like, uh, you know, like the Goonies quicksand booby traps oh, in the jungle, getting swallowed, like just, and this is my race bike, right? I'm going to race this. Right, you have a race in a day hours. or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and Abby's back there and she's like, this isn't the way. And I'm like, it's always the way. <laughs> the wheels are turning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we, I mean, we got buried in the jungle. Finally, like make our way back out. And we get back to the original little uh, road we were on, and we keep riding up the road. I'm like, well, let's just go this way. And sure enough, we get to uh, a full-on uh, gondola for bikes, and it says, like, Teleferico or whatever. And I look at my, my wristband, it says, that they put on us, it says Teleferico. And then the guy go, speaks English, goes, hey, you two ready to go up? And we're like, yep. And so we get over there, and they hose our bikes off for us. 
And it was a bike park that the gondola took you to the top and then you just ripped downhill trails the whole okay. way. And I spent the first 45 minutes like pulling Abby like through the jungle and she's on this, <laughs> this piece of shit giant like triple ring 47 oh, no. pound bike. And uh, But we ended up doing downhill um, until a rainstorm came and then we got stuck in rainstorm and then I took her down a black diamond when she said she didn't want to go down a black diamond and she slid on her ass like 80 feet. And anyhow, like it ended up being an awesome Wedding celebration. <laughs> nice. For me. Can we uh, sidebar on the Black Diamond thing? Yeah. Just real quick. So, um, went to Maryland Mountain for the first time. Yeah, and you said? It was awesome. Everybody, yeah. uh, Nobody should ever go to Maryland Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really good. Um, there is no standardization for green, blue, black diamond at all. And you found out there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was fine. Um, so the, I, I would say like the Hollywood trail there, like the one that hard money or whatever. Yeah. Hard money. Yeah. So it's outside of Blackhawk Colorado or it's in Blackhawk, Blackhawk, Colorado. And I had never been there. It's such a weird little thing. It's all casinos. Did you go through the main? Like, yeah. Chunk? You, you drove it's like Vegas size casino. Yeah. A couple it's, of them. it's, it's crazy. Anyway. So because of the casinos, everything's like, Easy money, fast money, pay dirt, uh, hard money. That's all the anyway. Hard money is they they label it as a blue black, and I would say at Floyd Hill, which is another trail in uh, Clear Creek County, I think they they label Sluice if you just ride the main line as like a blue maybe, or maybe. Is, is it a black? I think it's a black. I think sluice, just the two okay. miles. Yeah. Is black. So sluice is a black. And if you, and it's got all these alt lines and it's not like you can ride the whole thing. Yeah. You I can think, rule I think, everything. I think every mountain biker that's been doing it for two seasons, um, could ride every, every inch of, of sluice. If you stay on the main line and it's labeled a black, right? Hard money is labeled a blue black and it's way more challenging. And so even within like Comba built both trails, right. they're both in the same County and the ratings are vastly different. Do you think it's, do they rate them? I don't know. Within <laughs> <I have> no <laughs> like idea within its own trail network. So like I'm going to be at this spaghetti system. Sure. And within it, they're all comparative to one another. Uh, even with that, I don't think that's because we rode, um, the other trail we rode was a flow trail, which is extraordinarily well built, um, called, uh, fast money. And that was just a straight blue and it was 100% a straight blue. Right. Um, and so I I would say not anyway, I just, you saying riding down, Abby didn't want to do a black diamond trail. I was like, well, maybe it was one of those. Because I've also been on the other side of it where it's like, oh, it's a black diamond and it's definitely not. Well, it would be – so I guess the best way to describe how they categorize them in the jungle is <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter what the trail ranking is when it's covered in snotty mud and jungle vines <laughs> yeah. and, like, and it's dumping rain. Like we got caught in a rainstorm, yeah. thunderstorm. Um, everything is t- – it's hard to ride down the sidewalk when right. it's nuking water across it. So – um, once that happened, it was, I mean, dude, I went down, she went down, Yeah, we're covered in mud. Like it was a deal. Yeah. Um, when we finished, they had a bike wash station and 
I'm washing the bikes and just washing us, like not yeah. using any less water on our human body versus the bike because <laughs> we're already just drenched. Yeah. Um, it was actually really fun that way. And, and then the lady takes, takes us all the way back and it was like a hundred bucks or 115 bucks. I'm like, dude, that was a great, it was super fun. Money well spent. Yeah. So, uh, but no, yeah, the, the race itself, they took us on, as a pre-ride on Saturday and we got to tour all of Panama City. And Panama City is like, is a, in terms of, like economic, cultural, and historical relevance. I mean, it, it's massive considering it's one of the two major shipping thoroughfares in the in the world, and much better built than the Suez Canal, which we learned when the ship got stuck <laughs> in its muddy banks. Right? Like this is yeah. it's a system, and you know, the U.S. we built it and we ran it, and it was effectively ours because, like, we just made this whole thing up. Um, and then the Panamanians got control of it in 99, which was like a huge thing for them, like their huge independence. And so the Panama Canal is responsible for almost all of the commerce and the, the, basically the entire economy. And so we got to learn all that. So they've given us a tour guide as we're, as we're riding around. It was like 30 miles or so of a bike ride, which was super chill. And it gave us time to like just chat with people. And they made a huge spectacle out of um, Tinker, which was well-deserved. But they also made a huge spectacle out of me. I was sitting next to Tinker as like they were doing this. And so the race director then goes into the spiel with me. And so before we even get started, they're like taking pictures with us. And like, I mean, like I didn't sign anyone's titties or anything, but like it felt <laughs> like it was like that, that celeb moment, uh, which Tinker well deserved me. I was just like kind of that dude. Um, but then we got to go ride with him and it, it was it was way fun to, to learn about the city and um, just kind of tool around. Nice. Um, so what were... What was the race like? I mean, it was it was a one day race, so there's no no stage situation. What were what were your distances and stats on this one? Yeah, so it's 120 kilometers, and I know, dude, I'm the same thing. Like it's What's so that? hard, it's I like can't even divide seventy it by, something miles. I don't even divide it by a number. Do you know what I do every time I hear kilometers? Huh. I just know that a 5k is 3.2 miles. Like that's just in my head, right? Because like <laughs> everyone runs the like, hot chocolate 5k or this bullshit right. fundraiser 5k, <laughs> right? So it's 3.2 miles. So I'm like, okay, real quick, 10 is 6.4, and then no matter where I'm at, I have to divide that into like my known <laughs> values. <laughs> it's it's terrible. I feel like such a moron. It's so I, I do. I don't, I, I've never done a 5k. I hate running. Um, and so I just, I know that a hundred K is 64. And so I always work from, from there, yeah. which makes doing smaller distances way harder. Yeah. There's all these, uh, I don't want to do my division table again, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so I, I like tried to do the math, but yeah, roughly it was like, it was, you know, eight, just under 80 miles, right. uh, about 80 miles and, yeah. and, uh, only like 6,000 feet of elevation gain. But remember, not like all miles are created equal, not all elevations created equal. Yeah. And so um, it started up in, in Cologne, Panama, which is the, the one terminus of the Panama Canal. And it's actually the one where private, there's a lot of private yachts that come through in that, at that spot. And I learned it takes, it costs two grand to get your private boat through the Panama Canal. If you have a private boat, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So this area, and what I learned at the start line, this area, it's got a bunch of like restaurants and, some, and like bars and stuff. And they say, yeah, a lot of these well-to-do folks will just hang out here until it's their time to go through the canal. Like maybe it's a few hours, maybe it's a half a day, maybe it's a whole day. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these kind of people just kind of, you know, cheers and whatnot while they wait to go through. But started in Cologne at uh, 6 a.m. So they picked us up on our hotel in Panama City at 4 a.m. on buses. So uh, much Dude, like Laruda would have been. I saw you like woke up at 2.30. 2.30, wake up. 3.30 in the lobby. 
and then 4 a.m. on the bus. Like, what time do you even pretend to go to bed? It's weird, you know. Like, what time do you lay down? Oh, yeah, I lay and down convince at, yourself yeah, like yeah. I'm gonna sleep. 7:30. Yeah. Um, two blue sky CBD <laughs> sleeps. And um, and you probably still. I mean, you toss and turn a little bit, and it, I think worse than going to sleep is when you wake up. Right, like you're gonna go do a bike ride, even if you're not doing a race, you're just doing a bike ride. I want to wake up. I want to have coffee. I want to have breakfast. I want to take a shit. I want to put on my gear. I want to ride a bike. That one activity there, the dirty one, is very hard to force your body to do at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. And so that's the biggest paranoia, right? Yep. Which is like, oh, yeah. dude. Oh, dude. I mean, yeah. it's no different than at Leadville, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get this out. Yeah. So, um, so anyhow, we're down in the lobby. It's like 3.30. And I met with Eli. And we're hanging out and get on the bus at 4. And we roll out. We look around. And Eli and I are just like, we're the only two Americans on this bus. Tinker was in a, a van. Um, cause he got there a little late. And so we're the only two Americans and we're just, we're just gabbing cause we're becoming buds now. And, uh, everyone else we look around, everyone's asleep. Like everybody in the entire bus is taking advantage of this extra 90 minutes of snooze time. And him and I like idiots, we've already drank our, like our pre-race stuff. We're like, yeah, man, this is, we're ready. We're in fucking Panama, dude. Like let's do, we're excited, you know? Right. And, uh, anyhow, we get to the race and yeah, 6 a.m. start in Cologne. And the race, the first 20 miles, they had a pace car for quite a bit of it. And the pace car by no means was going slow. You know, we were averaging between like 18 and 26 miles an hour. And it was just a hammer fest. Like all of these mountain bikers were full on road mode. And so there were attacks and counterattacks and bridges and people trying to split the peloton. Like it was insane for the first 20 miles. Um, And then at 20 miles, we careen into this tiny little town um, at Lake Gatun, and that's where our time stopped, and our bikes got on a set of boats transported across the lake, and we as racers had to get on a different set of boats, and literally in the middle of a race, we got a six-kilometer lake crossing. So, uh, you know, you sent me a draft of a, an article, like a blog that you wrote about it, and I was like, how is, like, how do you manage boats in the middle of a bike race? And I, now it makes sense. Like they just shut your time off. Yeah. Don't count the boat. Right. Um, but then it sounds like it got a little confusing towards the end of the race. Totally. Yeah. So because you get to the other side of the lake, which by the way, this lake, it's a freshwater lake, but just in, you know, 20 miles in from the, from the ocean coast. And so it's really cool to be in this beautifully blue freshwater. It's giant lake in the middle of the, anyhow. Um, so we're cruising across and like there's boats and these are dugout boats with just motors on them and they're flying by with, you know, there'll be a dugout boat, which this piece of shit boat can't be much more than like 600 bucks, <laughs> right. right? All in. Right. And it's transporting like 20, $10,000 bikes, you know? <laughs> so those, the boats are flying past us. And then the, you know, as racers, we're all stacked in, you know, maybe 25 people on a boat, um, going across. So you get over there, you get your bike and then you go through another timing charge, and that starts your time back up again. So the confusion came because Eli and I, um, we decided we were going to do the race together. Like at the end of the day, we're in Panama, we're on single speeds, and nobody does single speed down there, right? We're right. the only ones. It's, so yeah, just you guys. It's just the two of us. So it's just going to be a fun, like we're not going to win a division because there is no division. And you're not going to win the race because you're on a single speed. In the first 20 miles of the race, we're on the damn road, right? Right. There's going to be, you know, a single speed is always going to be slower than a geared bike if there's a lot of flat, right? Mm-hmm. Just the way it is. So, yeah. uh, so we're like, we'll, we'll ride it together. Well, on the first 20 miles, I was hell bent on, on being in the front, right? For a couple of reasons. One, 
more like these token Americans that they made a big production about us. So like race your face off, right? Right. Yeah. You got to be there. Um, two, it's a bike race, right? Like there's no way for me to not, like if I see a guy trying to go faster than me, I want to go faster than him. And so that's what the first 20 looked like. And I ended up getting ahead and away from Eli a little bit um, by about two minutes. So when we got to that little town of boats, I got down to the boats quick and held a position so I could wave him down so we could get our boats on our, our bikes on the boats together. But I had gotten about a two minute delta. Um, and that's what created the confusion at the end of the race. Okay. But no, you rebound the bikes and then... Um, and Is that then, the only place where they the shut only, off the, yeah, shut the, off the timing? Time. Once you go back to the timing start, it's to the finish line. And there's checkpoints. Like there's another couple of times you go through timing mats. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's continuous until, until the finish line, uh, which was a ways away. And uh, I was talking to some people that had done La Ruta, and we had kind of covered La Ruta a bit. This race was... All three days of Laruda combined. It, so like the jungle, the fast-paced stuff at the end, the, the volcano, like basically everything. Everything. So, yeah, steep uphill climbs that we would have got on the volcanoes going through like countryside, right? I mean, we were going past cows and whatnot. Um, so countryside, hill, steep hill climbs, steep hill descents, crazy-ass like jungle, rutted out, old, like they call them Jeep roads, but... You can only ride mountain bikes on them. <laughs> right. Like gnarly mud. I mean, both Eli and I got sideways at two different times, respectively. Sideways on our bikes. Like, dude, I was able to spin my bike sideways through mud at like 20 miles an hour, double eject over the handlebars, land on my feet, and run it out. Like, you, we can do stuff on bikes. Like, <laughs> when you crash, that like you, I'll give you $100 to do that again. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. It's crazy how we survived this. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, there were no bottle drops. So you had aid stations, but you couldn't have like your own you stuff. You couldn't have your stuff. So I started with three bottles of Carbo Rocket. And then after I got through those, it was whatever they had. <laughs> whatever. So dude, I was chugging bottles of water. I was eating bananas. I was chugging Red Bulls. I yeah. chugged a Red Bull in the middle of the race. Yeah. Um, I mean. It's like whatever they had, you know. Yeah. Uh, but we, we just, we slogged through it. And there were times where I'd say I led a, a good portion of the race, Eli on my hub. And there were definitely sections he led where if he wasn't leading, I would have backed off. But it's like, well, I can't let him get away. And we were doing that thing where we're, we're grinding up a hill out of saddle. And you're learning now with your single speed, like at like 25 RPM, just yeah. muscling. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, dude, you want to walk this one? He's like, I don't know if you want to walk this one. It's like, <laughs> okay, I mean, we could walk this one. Yeah, if, if you wanted to, we could. And the next thing you know, you're at the you're top. You're at the top. Because <laughs> you're both stubborn jerks. <laughs> yeah. So we're doing that kind of like brother thing, right? Yeah. Where you're competing without competing. Um, and we did that for the entire race. And towards the end, we got into the town of Veracruz, which is a, a much bigger city on the coast there, on the opposite side of the Panama Canal, right? So we know we're coming towards the finish line. And the course, while was pretty well marked, we're still in a foreign country, and I've learned too many times at Laruda, not having the GPX file is a terrible thing, like, right. because you miss a turn, and you don't even know you missed a turn, and you can't ask anyone, because you're this dumb American that right. doesn't know how to communicate. Also, you're in the jungle. Yeah, and you're in the jungle, so... <laughs> you um, flag somebody down. Totally, <laughs> dude. We were at a spot, and we're looking down in the mud, and we only see three tire tracks, and we're like, how the hell... There can't be a whole race in yeah, front of us. Yeah, like there's only three tire tracks. Like, and Eli's like, dude, are we lost? I'm like, no, bro. I've been. I didn't even. Um, thank you, Margie Gessick, for teaching me that. I didn't even turn to my data. I don't know what my heart rate was. I don't know how many miles we had gone. Elevation. Yeah. I only had it on the arrows. Yep. Of the Wahoo. That's yep. it. In a morning, this is now the third race I've done like this. In I perform really well when I see no when I'm seeing no information, just an arrow. 
Yeah. Um, the single speed helps because it's like you can only do what you can do. <laughs> So I'm on the arrows. I'm like, no, Eli, we haven't, we haven't missed anything. So we're ripping through this jungle and we're following. The, there's like these three tracks and we're up or down or attacked by dogs. Eli, he's a canine cop in Cincinnati. Okay. So like he likes dogs, but he definitely kicked a dog during the race that came and attacked him like while we're on the bikes. <laughs> just booted this thing. Not intentionally. It just kind of happened. Um, so anyhow, we get to this last town and it's really important now to be looking at the map because – while these towns definitely have, you know, bodegas and people and traffic cops, they also have a hundred streets laying on top of one another. So I'm making sure we hit all of our turns. And so he, Eli's on my hub and coming through and this guy hands us water towards the end. He's like, uh, telling us that there's three more bikes ahead of us, only four minutes ahead. And we were like, well, we have been seeing these three tracks and Eli's like, like only three. And I go, no, there's, there's probably three. There's probably, a, you know, 23, but there's probably three. Um, that are only four minutes ahead. Right. Um, if you want to try to catch them. So right through and, and we now realize the finish line's real. Like we're two kilometers from the finish line. So do your funny math real fast. <laughs> so you have a hundred divided by. <laughs> and so we're, uh, we're like two kilometers from the finish. And now we're in that moment where it's like, well, who gets to go across the finish line first? We've done this whole thing together. You right. Know? And um, this doesn't happen in my like my private time. Like, I think I'm a pretty selfish person in general. Like, um, like if like if somebody came through my front door with an Uzi and they're like, it's either you or Harley, like, it's I'm giving you up, right? Like, I just... <laughs> it's the other guy, 100% of the time. <laughs> I'm just, I'm giving you up, right? Like, a bear comes out of the woods and I'm going to push you and then I'm going the opposite direction, right? Like, not that I don't care about you, but I really like me. Right. Right? That's fair. <laughs> so... Fair. I respect it. <laughs> So we're at this finish line, uh, but but when I'm doing these hard events, especially when I'm feeling the bond that these type of events like build uh, among us all, I'm sitting there and by no means do I think Eli needed me to give him something because he could take it from me anytime he wants. He's a super strong rider. But I was like, hey, you know what, dude? Like, You've been such a huge catalyst to my training because when I started the NUE, I knew he was the one to beat. Mm-hmm. And then the first race I beat him, Mohican 120 20, um, I beat him by less than a minute. So like I, he was a, a, he's a ferocious competitor and I'm like, dude, that that has been such a huge push for me. Like when I'm on my training rides, or I'm in the gym, when I'm whatever, it's like, I got to be strong. I got to beat Eli. And I've been fortunate enough to do that. And now like nine or 10 races, nine races. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're coming up and his family's there. I'm like, dude, the finish line's yours, bro. Like take that thing. Yeah. Because there's no way I would have ridden this race this hard without having you right there. I'm like, it's yours. And so we get right to the finish line and I pull off and he creams through and I cream through and it was super, it was super cool. And I just thought we finished. I was like, yeah, I can see Abby was there. Yeah. His mom and um, her husband were there and um, this is going to be cool. Right? Well, next thing you know, we turn into NASCAR drivers, dude. Like <laughs> right away, Red Bull runs up, hands us Red Bulls. And they're like cameras in our face with Red Bulls. And I'm like, all right, I'm fucking crackers. okay. Fine. Sure. Red Bull, chug a Red Bull. Like, and then Michelob Ultra jumps in, and I'm like, oh, we don't, I don't, neither of us drink, right? Yeah. They're like, no, just hold it. And I'm like, okay, so the Michelob Ultra, and then this collagen water company, and then like an oatmeal company came over, like bags of oatmeal, which is the first thing you want when you finish a race, is a bag of dry oatmeal. <laughs> and, uh, and it just, it was. <laughs> take a handful of it and chew it. <laughs> yeah, what are you supposed to do? I'm going to soak these in my mouth for 12 hours. Um, <laughs> so it, it was, it was really cool. And, and I'm like, wow, this is a, kind of a spectacle and I thought like we're the Americans we're the single speed guys 
Well, then I also found out Abby goes, dude, you guys just won the pro field. And I was like, uh, say what? She's like, yeah, only three people have come across the finish line. Um, they're all locals and they raced in the, like whatever, whatever division they were in, like men age groups or whatever, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and I'm like, what? And so I was really confused and sure as shit, we were the fourth and fifth riders to finish the freaking race. So the whole celebration was because everyone had just started. This is the, the beginning of the finish of the, yeah, of and, the pro field. Yeah. And these three tracks, like they were, they were legitimately the only three riders that somehow we had passed everybody and like we you know i knew we were ticking people off in the jungle and you know we'd pass them and they'd be with us for a little bit and they disappear and we pass them and they'd, but i was like how did this happen and we found out a couple of guys not a couple i think about eight or so um missed a turn in the city which i know the one they missed because we came up on it like almost 30 miles an hour and you had to go left and it felt like you should go straight right and a lot of people did and then to to reverse track they would have to go back uphill right and so that happened with some people, but hey, you know, dude, that like racing, that's, that's, that's I racing. mean, anymore when you're doing these races, especially um, somewhere where it's just, you know, we're lucky you go and do Leadville and the whole course is taped off year round. Yeah. Like, yeah. And there's not a lot of other options. Yeah. Right. Like you're not going to, I think I'm going to accidentally go up Mount Elbert. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> totally. You're not going to do that. Um, yeah. I think that's just part of racing. Like you got to have the GPX file. I have the GPX file. Like, so we get through and, uh, we do all this like celebratory stuff and, and then we're nasty, right? Like we're like, I have, I've had like probably 80% field of vision because I got mud in my eyes. Like we're, we're, we're coded. So we just walked directly into the Caribbean sea, which that was cool. To That's just what say. you do. Yeah. <laughs> and so we walked through and we're just bathing in the ocean and yeah. it's freaking awesome. We hose our bikes off and we're in the ocean again. And that's when then Tinker rolls through. So we had him by like, you know, 15 minutes or so. Um, he had made a wrong turn. And a lot of these other guys start finishing and they made wrong turns and stuff. And so um, I go over and check the results and I see, I was like, hey, you know, I, I asked him and they go, oh, let me pull it up. He goes, oh, Holly, you're Holly? I go, yeah. He goes, oh, you have, uh, you're second. I'm like, I'm second? What do you mean second? He goes, yeah, you're second elite men. And I'm like, holy shit. And I go, what about, and he goes, Ellie, Eli. He goes, Ellie, Ellie is one. And I was like, holy crap, like first and second. Like we yeah. just, you know. And I'm remembering the time delta a little bit in the back of my mind. And even right. when I told Eli, take the finish line, he said, well, you're going to win anyway because you got to the boats before me. Right. And I was like, yeah, you're right, you know. So I go and I check and they say first and second. And I'm like, so I ask him, hey, does that account for the time difference at the boats? And there's a little bit of like quiet and like amongst them talking. And then he goes, uh, what's on the screen is correct. So I go back. There's a big ass projector screen, like playing videos all day and music. And it's it really big production. And uh, sure enough, they have Eli first and me second. So I go over and I tell Eli, I'm like, dude, you have, and I have that little pang a little bit. Cause like, keep in mind, I, I was like, dude, take the finish line, but it wasn't like super altruistic. Cause I knew I had a Delta. All right. You're like, I got two minutes. So. so I felt like it was a good thing for everybody. Like I was going to win and he got to like get the finish line win. I was like, this is cool for everyone. Right. I thought it was like one of those rare, everyone feels good moments. Right. Yeah. Um, so I look and, and they confirm it's like first and second. So I did have that tiny like, you yeah. know, but again, I had, you know, I beat him every time I raced him. Right. I've got no shortage of top box podiums this year. It's been like this amazingly perfect season. And so I was totally cool with it. Right. So I tell him. And so he, he's like blown away and we're celebrating. And now his like family starts to tell, tell their family. And now it's like spreading and they don't do awards for like three and a half hours. 
So dude, that's the worst. It's the worst, dude. Um, our drop bags got lost on a, on the wrong bus, and so we didn't have drop bags. And so I got this like wicked amazing uh, bibs burn. I'm walking around like in my bibs only. And anyhow, uh, fast forward to the awards, and they're calling they're calling us. They do women. They do this. They do this. So they're calling. They call. Okay, it's pro men. And so I call third place dude. He goes up. And then Eli's already got his bike, his Dean, like racked up against the box, you know, because right. this is his first year racing with Dean, um, full sponsorship with them. And so he's jacked. He's got that up there. Right. And then they call Eli for second place and me for first place. And instantly uh, it connects the dots for me, you know, and uh, we walk up there. But now I'm in this weird spot where we were under the presumption that he got first. And so I feel like real awkward. Right. Because. And so I even tell Andres, the race director, who's handing out awards. I go, no, no, Eli's first. And he goes, no, man. The t-. And he pulls it up and he shows me the times, blah, blah. And he's like, you're first. And I'm like, yeah, I, I understand all of this. And then I'm like, no, nah, let Eli have it. And he goes, no, man, you're first. And I'm like, okay. And so he hands me like all this shit. And like, <laughs> we're getting up. And so it's the most awkward podium picture ever. Abby was just like, why don't you just celebrate? And I'm like, I don't want to really like... We well, don't want to like shit face. on Eli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was So it was super awkward, dude. And I'm looking at the prize pack and I'm like... I'm looking at Eli's prize pack. He got this cool award. We both got these handmade awards. Um, and he's got these badass like headphones or something. I got a fucking dope to sew watch. And then a three-day stage race in Columbia. And then like this Thule swag. And like I got I had all this crap, man. And so I'm like, like cheese dick uh, smile. <laughs> yeah. I don't know then, what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so it gets done. We walk away. And um, I didn't celebrate until we got back to the hotel room. And I did it partially because it was kind of shitty that they didn't make that time adjustment like right away on the reward. Earlier, rewards. yeah. And then we would have known, right? Um, but he had already texted. Like, yeah. His, that, his, I think the shitty thing yeah, is like, right. like texts went out. Totally. Messages went out. His, his, uh, his, his mom's husband, he's big in the like, local scene back home for him in Ohio. And so they had already, he had already typed up a, a, new, a press release that was going to go out in the local newspaper. Like, and already sent that off. And like it was... It was a deal. So it was kind of awkward. So I, I just kept mums the word, dude. I just stayed quiet. And we finally got to the hotel room. And then Abby and I we got to celebrate. And it was right. really cool. And, um, you know, I, I like to think that I'm an, I'm an evolved, evolving, maturing. I definitely make uh, mistakes, as has been evident in the last couple of weeks. But uh, I like to think I'm an evolving, maturing person. But there's I'm not even close to Eli's level because not only was he cool with it all, um, that night we all went to dinner together and he's just talking about how that was so much fun. And it was like one of the funnest races he's ever done. And he wants, he's looking forward, he wants to do more of those international races together. Like him and I go and do it. And he just had like such a, like an adult attitude about all of it and was able just to see how much fun it was yeah. regardless of that goofiness at the end. And I'm sitting there going like, I think I'd have been like super pissed. Stay in the hotel room, pissed. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I'm never talking to like I'm to taking my ball and going home, so, pissed. Yeah, so like I might have been first at all of these finish lines against him, um, but dude, he's definitely first in the like evolved human because that was that was super cool, awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah. So before we started recording today, I, I asked you like how done you were with doing bike races in America, and then. I'm remembering on the heels of this, on the heels of saying that, as you're talking just now, I'm remembering a conversation or actually a, a podcast that we recorded at the first time you did LaRuda. And 
You're like, yeah, there's all these weird guys and they all know each other and they all just do all these international ra- You're one of those guys now. <laughs> <laughs> Become that dude. <laughs> like, that's not just this weird group of guys that only does it. You're like, you're just part of that group you, now. You know, it's... Uh... Well, and I think, I think the takeaway is that when you're new to it, you're like, how the fuck do you pull that off? And then when you're in it, you're like, it's not as hard as it seems. Yeah, it's... And that's... You know, that's... That's kind Especially of a, when you get the races for free. Yeah, the races for free are nice. But that's across the board. Like, uh, just this last weekend, riding out in Moab is a great example. Like, when you're in Moab racing, or you're in Sedona, you and you were down in Sedona racing, or when we're in Bentonville or riding rather, yeah, or yeah. Bentonville riding. When you're somewhere riding for a, a mountain biking trip, you're never sore. You ever realize that? Yeah, I know. Like your legs are never sore. But like, if you're here at home, you wake up in the morning, you're like I could, dude, I don't know, my legs are kind of sore. Man, I'm not going to ride today, right? Like when you're in the thing, no hurdle is a hurdle anymore, right? No matter how sore you are or tired, I didn't get out of sleep or maybe you boozed hard the night before. Um, When you're racing internationally and you've committed to it, no hurdle is to... So I'll just be honest with you, okay? So the race was covered in all of the stuff when we were at the race and all of our activities and all that stuff, but we had to get to the race. So I had bought flights um, and I am super frugal and... uh, I bought flights on I'm sorry. I bought flights on Spirit Airlines. And I knew Abby was gonna be because Spirit's terrible to fly, right? Oh, I I don't know. And she oh dude, seats don't recline, hard like it's 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 awful. It's the worst airline you can fly. Just period. Okay. And so we're but the prices were so cheap. I got us both round trip, both of us round trip was like five hundred bucks. Oh wow. Yeah, it was just in the next lowest price was like double that. And so I mean, that's just too much of a delta to, uh, to yeah. Just it's like a up. couple hundred bucks you can make the argument, right. but like an, a, a whole another trip yeah, worth no. no. So I booked us on Spirit. Okay, fast forward seven days before we were to leave, I get an email from Spirit. They've canceled our flights, and they've just awarded us Spirit credit. If you don't want Spirit credit, call us. So I call them and I'm like, "What do you mean you've just canceled the flights?" Like, yeah, no, this, that, the other. The flights are canceled, so you just have. I go, well, I don't want credit on your airline because I, I already was being kind of a bit <laughs> of a, a prick here, ordering your tickets, and so I don't want any tickets from you. Ever, so just give me the money back. Well, now I have to buy flights, and I'm six days away from right. Fourteen hundred dollars is what it costs to get down. And I'm only saying these numbers. Okay, I'm saying these. Fourteen hours to me is a lot of money. Just yeah, no, like, I that's, mean that's coin. Okay, yeah. especially when I had already spent the five hundred. I thought we were good, right? Right. If it was anything else, right, like any something domestically, right, I'm probably not going to drop that much money. But I was already in. Like we're going to Panama. We're doing this race. All these activities are booked up. This is just. I'm trying to make an illustration that. No hurdles too great when you're like, well, I'm doing this awesome thing. So we dropped 14. I would never buy 14 hour plane tickets ever like in my life. I can't, I'm not going to Europe for 1400 bucks, right? Right. Um, but for this, I would. When I went down to the trip, I had made a really dumb mistake on race week and I decided to do a kettlebell workout and I hadn't been really lifting hard or heavy. And it was just a weird day the Tuesday before the trip. And I was like, I'm going to do a kettlebell workout. It'd be a nice little like blaster before I head out for this race. And I'm going through the workout and I'm like jamming out. I'm just going to tell you, I was listening to Bon Jovi and I'm doing my thing. And I ripped the kettlebell up and I yank my low back. Dude, so bad that I, like I fell over on the ground. Right? Oh, no. And I spent three days trying to get it figured out. Like 
I used, I had electric, I dry needling done, like the e-stem dry needling, manual therapy. I did Epsom soak. I did Normatec. I was rubbing CBD all over myself. Just anything, because you're fine to go do a bike race. Yeah, and I I mean, I couldn't get out of a seated position and stand up without taking like 15 seconds to calibrate for that. It was was bad, like (laughs) real bad. Wow, wow. Race morning, I didn't feel it bad. I mean, it got a little bit better as each day progressed. Right. I got done with the race. I haven't had back pain since the race finished. Yeah. Right, like when you're doing the thing, you don't feel anything else. And that's where... Like in terms of these international races, I think the coolest thing is that you don't know where you are. You don't know how to communicate necessarily. You don't know what to expect. You don't have your fancy fuel drop bags. You don't like it's totally out of the box and you can do some really cool like shit. We won the pro field on single speeds just because you let go, you know, Mm -hmm. and you just go and perform and it's the coolest feeling, you know, and I think we can do that on trips to Moab. I think we can do that on trips to anytime you make it about the experience um, and less about the numbers of the thing, you know, just the experience. You can just do cool stuff. It was like you ride Maryland Mountain, new trails, right? Yep. You don't think about anything else other than just, this just, is super cool. Just processing trail one corner at a time yeah. and just having fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. You, uh, you mentioned like how, you know, you don't get tired when you're on a, a biking trip. Um, I don't, drink heavily i have a drink every now and again um but i think a lot of people associate going on a, a, a bike trip as a time to like cut loose yeah for sure. and so everybody's like oh we're gonna bring this nice bottle of whatever i don't drink on mountain biking trips really like at all well not at all like when we went to crested butte for labor day weekend um the first night we were there we, we did a easy ride and we went out to dinner and i think i had I had a margarita at the house and a margarita at, at dinner, and that was it. Everybody else stayed up till one in the morning and got super <laughs> loose. I don't like. I'm there to ride bikes, yeah. and everybody gives me a hard time. They're like, dude, just like, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not here to. I can drink in Denver. Yeah, like, it. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm there to not be hung over and have a good day and ride bikes. And everybody's like, oh, you just pushed through. I was like, yeah, but like, or I could just not. <laughs> yeah, and actually enjoy the. Yeah. Yeah, you don't really want to like. Push through the Mag Seven, right? And no, Moab, you want to be like, this is the coolest thing I've ridden. Like, no, and I've done that. And, you know, we we did a, a trip to Fruta ages ago, and we drove in and we partied like we were in college. I mean, it was not. It was. <clears throat> I don't go to strip clubs. It's not my thing. Never has been. But we were at the campsite in Fruta. Partying super hard, nothing illegal, just booze. But if we hadn't, there was a kid there that was with us that was 19. Everybody else was above the age that you could get into a strip club. Like we were going to go find a strip club in that's, that was the good idea at <laughs> one o'clock in the morning was to go find a strip club. And you know, we were 20 under 30, but that just lets you point. know how deep you were. In yeah. The, uh, revelry. Uh, and I mean, I got up and rode the next day, but it was like that was, and that was it. That, that, that trip was the time that I was just like, nope, I don't, I don't do that when I go on a bike trip. Yeah. It's, you know, you're, you're there to bike, which is cool. You know, yeah. um, and it's not that fortunately where we live, it's pretty easy for us to have those. Like, I think you can even just go down to like with our vans, like we can just go to Buff Creek for a weekend and have yeah. that sort of same discipline. Like your phone doesn't work that well down there. You're, you know, yep. that just here to ride bikes. Yeah. So at the finish line of the race, uh, 
Andres, the, the race director, and he's putting about a lot of the publicity out and stuff and taking videos. And he comes over and he, he's doing a video um, with myself and then Eli is washing his bike, which, so Eli, not only um, is he like the gentleman dude and like super mature, he's also jacked. I've talked about him before in races. Like the dude is like a He-Man doll, right? Like right. he's just, he's, he's a cop, right? And he's like yeah. jacked ass cop. So neither of us have our drop bags. And um, I've tried to get less and less jacked <laughs> as the years have gone on these last yeah. few years. And so we both have our bib straps pulled down and he looks like a He-Man doll. And I look like this like former He-Man turned like E.T. weird but fast on the bike kind of like physique that I got going on. I'm pretty excited about. And so we're side by side and they're trying to take video. And I look over and I'm like, I got to get away from Eli just a little bit. I got to get like <laughs> I need, 10 feet away. I need like, to create some yeah. space. Yeah, I need, like one of the, I need like the side mirror effect where we're not just right next to each other. I need a little distance here. And so Andres comes over and, he, and he's doing a quick little question. He's like, hey man, what'd you think about the race? And he's doing the selfie. And I was like, I'll be honest with you, Eli. Or um, I'll be honest with you, Andres. I would, uh, I would never ride that route as like a, a recreational ride, right? If somebody's like, hey, you want to go do this ride? Because it was a lot of, uh, Jeep road, a lot of gravel, and then snotty, nasty, like lock up your wheel in the bike frame, mm. gnarly, gross mud. Like I learned how to ride uphill uh, in the mud, out of saddle while leaning over and holding my hand across my front tire so like, to scrape mud as it's running. So I'm adding mud. resistance. It was, I mean, so I told him, I go, dude, I would never ever do that ride if you just wanted to go do the ride. I go, but as a race, that was freaking awesome. And that brings me into kind of, I told you I had a segue here. Yeah. That is pretty much my vibe and feeling on all, and I'm, I'm, this wasn't a gravel event, but it was kind of like that. If you put an event around seemingly like nonsensical or even mundane trail, but if there's an event around it, they can be super fun. Mm. And that's like what I told you I, I felt about like gravel racing or gravel, because we boned out on Big Sugar, mm. right, for last weekend. Uh, this race is the same way. If I wasn't international racing across the country in a foreign situation in, in a, in a legit, like high profile race in the country, I probably wouldn't have ever ridden that. Or if I did, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it. Right. Um, but damn an event. But because just, you're racing it. Yeah. It can make, it can make it a, a thing just like our sender event. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, granted those routes were just super fun anyway, but super fun with a number plate and like camaraderie amongst other people doing the same route. Yeah. That's the only way I think I can get around the gravel cycling, gravel racing, or these type of like adventure race things. Yeah, you know, I, I so to circle that in, uh, you know, we Colin and I did mad gravel um back in May or whatever it was, or it was March, I don't remember. Um and that's put on by Dave, who does Rylar Racing, who puts on a ton of great mountain bike events. And so for Mad Gravel this coming year, uh, Memorial Day weekend in 22, he turned it into a three-day stage race style event. Yeah, that's cool. It's a mountain bike race on Saturday. It's a gravel race on Sunday. And then it's like a, you know, kind of in the spirit of, of uh, LaRuda where the last day is just kind of a victory lap. Uh-huh. Like the last day is a gravel ride. Right. So like it's not really, nothing's going to get shooken up as far as placing or whatever goes. Um, but I think the bigger, you know, I, I had kind of, I think the bigger discussion, and we talked about this again in a, in a previous episode a while ago, um, 
the UCI was sniffing around gravel racing and, right. and then nothing happened. Like they didn't do anything. And now the UCI is officially sanctioning gravel racing. And I think that the reason that that doesn't fly is because then it kills stuff like it doesn't kill it because race promoters are going to do what race promoters are going to do. But, um, you know, mad gravel, like you could bring one bike, you could bring three bikes, you could bring, you know, like when you start having good example, mad gravel, the first year, Alex house was there. He's a, you know, a monster, a monster and he's a professional cyclist. And like, He'll probably, I would guess because him and Lachlan and the EF team are based in Boulder, I would guess you'll still see some appeal there. Um, but like, they're not chasing gravel racing UCI points. So what? Like why? Some of these times we go to, I, I go to these events and sometimes I, when, when I place really well, I always comment on my overall, right? Like maybe I won single speed, but I got sixth overall or I right. won single speed and I was you know, whatever overall, like at Leadville, I, I, I didn't have my best year. I was 30th in the pro field, but I was like 60th overall in the Mm -hmm. whole race. Right. Um, I like to comment on the overall because if there's enough segments, like everybody wins and like you've got road racing, you've got XC mountain bike racing, you've got endurance mountain bike racing, you've got downhill mountain bike racing, you've got enduro mountain bike racing, you've got like, now you're gonna have gravel. Like it's just so segmented. Um, I still go back to, you know, when we had, who do we have? We had Daryl on as a guest mm-hmm. and we talked about when he was racing, you had to do all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, How mountain cool biking was, was that? There. Like you had to do everything, you know? And so, um, a lot of the segmentation, you know, makes it so that, um, you know, it's, it's the, it's, heck, it's the problem with some of the young people in the workforce, right? We're too specialized. Mm-hmm. So you can't do, you know, there's not a lot of utility knives out there. Right. You know? So, I don't know. For me, the the gravel thing, I don't think I could ever get that great at it because the training for it, to me, is just so freaking boring. Well, it's just all, like, threshold forever. Yeah. Threshold on a road that you can see four miles ahead of you. Right? And so it's just not, I don't know, I just... Every gravel event that I've had that is super fun is because I've had bikepacking bags on it right. and you're out there for the adventure. You're in another country, I'm out there for the adventure. Um, or you get stuck into some into some shit, right? Like you get into some crap. Like when I did Rampart Range Road, you know, I was pushing through snow fields and like, going, you're like, all right, that's, but just sitting out and like you said, sitting at threshold for five hours and being like, who can hammer hardest? Yeah. It just doesn't get my little twig and berries right. Well, and I think, you know, if there was a birth birthplace in the U.S. for gravel riding and racing, it's the most boring part of the U.S. where all there is is I mean, I, like yeah, I, right. I'm not talking shit. It's no, just like yeah. there's no. It's all farms Kansas and gravel. Kansas can't put on another bike event other than Unbound. Yeah, um, you know, so the place where it took off is like that's what they. It, it was an adaptation for people who wanted to ride bikes. And there weren't mountain bike trails. They're like, I don't want to ride on a road bike. I want to do something in the dirt. I guess I'll just go torture myself on farm roads. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. and it's not to say that that's bad. Cause I, I, every time I do something that I consider le- legit gravel terrain, mad gravel, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the course that you set, set up for, uh, 
the cinder event in, in Boulder, like every, even Highline Canal, even when I, like I did our, our 2020 Highline Canal, uh, route a few weeks ago, just, I had gotten a new fit on my gravel bike and I wanted to go see how it felt. Anytime I go ride that bike on some shit that like riding a drop bar bike doesn't feel like I should be doing, I think that it's awesome. It's so, it, you know, okay. So confession, our cinder event, like leading into it, I was like, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun because the people and the, people, the group. And the, totally. But then I get on the bike and I'm like, dude, this, it's this, it shocks me every time how much fun I have on the bike. Yeah. Um, well, and it's because the tires aren't really great for anything. They're slow on pavement and they don't have any traction on dirt. Like you're going faster on the dirt than you should be way faster than you would be on a mountain bike with way less traction. Like there's, it's because it's all on the ragged edge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it's, the whole experience is on the ragged edge. You're right. Um, but I think, and you know, again, the, the, the mad gravel event, I think like locked this in for me is like, there are parts of there, there can, we're spoiled because mountain biking takes you through such cool shit. Even in, you know, again, to reference Maryland mountain, it's 45 minutes outside of Denver, but when you're on it, you're in a different universe. Like, yeah, you can kind of see or hear the highway if you look for it, but yeah, two turns, two turns from the parking lot. You're anywhere. Yeah. Um, when you're doing gravel, it's all about perspective, right? So when you're doing gravel, even if you're riding through cool shit, you're doing it on a fucking road. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like and, and probably, there's probably an, a more efficient way to go wherever you're going on a smoother surface. Right. Like, and sometimes 15 feet to your left, right? Yeah, like, yeah. There's a paved road right there. And so I think the perspective thing is huge. But if you get out there with between 20 and 180 of your closest friends and you know, people are pushing each other. Like it changes the whole experience. Right. Yeah. Um, I talked to, uh, a couple of people who ended up going to big sugar and they're like, dude, it was a beautiful course. And that was the, that was the only like paying, like my life blew up. And so like not going to big sugar was definitely the right decision for my whole life. Well, we were going to just do as an alternate, we were, yeah, we were going to like everything fell apart. Yeah, I couldn't do like, yeah. You ever like around somebody, and you feel their their vibe, and you're just like, dude, I know better. Yeah, that was your vibe, dude. I was, was just, <laughs> I was twisted up, man. Yeah, how how grateful were you for the phone call? And I was like, hey, dude, it's we okay. Just, like, table everything. <laughs> I I so needed that. You had like, yeah, I couldn't even get a hold of you because your phone was on was all like on the outs. Yep, you're, <laughs> it was, a, it was a nightmare. Um, but yeah, just hearing that like that big sugar course was just like a beautiful course to ride. Like I had that little pang of like, damn it. Well, we'll be in Bentonville in April. What's in April? Well, we're gonna be in Bentonville in April. Uh, no matter what, maybe <laughs> okay. before then, but at least in April. What's in April? I'm gonna have a little thing. I'm having a little thing out there. We're okay. Part of that. All right. All right. Well, we got to go before that. Okay. Um, UCI World Cup site, like the world champs of cyclocross. Oh, that's right. Is, is in Bentonville. That's in right. January, like, yeah. how do you not go to that? How do you not go? Twelve watch? hours away to go to World Champ. Like, listen, I've watched enough Svenness videos to know that that is going to be all the fun to watch. I'll probably drink at that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to drink, but I'm definitely throwing marshmallows at yeah. people. Like, I'm going to do so. Like, you know, you got to get into it. But like, how do you not go to? I mean, 
for the world champs of like to go see Matthew Vanderpool and Wild yeah, Van Art and I'm like in. we're in. Yeah. I mean, there's no way you don't go. Yeah. So, um, well, who knows? Who knows what the right answer is for this whole UCI thing with gravel? Um, you know, the, the thing is, anytime attention's brought to something, though, it does tend to level up. Now, there's some bad with the like Vale bought Crested Butte, okay? Right. And people were like worried of what it's going to do. It has nothing to the town, but the resort's going to change. But it kind of need to because it's all like old and crusty stuff at the resort. Right. It's get yeah. There's going to be some corporate stuff that kind of sucks, but but for the most part, a lot of the amenities are going to go up. This if UCI gets involved with gravel. There's going to be parts of it that are lame. Like they're going to mandate maybe the type of pedals you have to use for a sanctioned Yeah, and I think think that's the shit. Like the rule, the the arbitrary rules that the UCI is so fond of. Right, and that's going to happen. But what also is going to happen is a lot more money is going to be put at it. So the events are maybe going to become even... Like, so Panama, right? Cruces. I didn't didn't know... I didn't know anything about the race. Right, like the information was terrible. I was trying to find information online... Uh, and not just my inability to read Spanish, but like there just <laughs> there was not information available at all until like we got to the race. But then when I got to the race, dude, full kit, uh, training jersey, a long sleeve jersey, all the like swag, all the some muck off full drivetrain cleaning and lubes and and like all the crap I would have needed to travel to make my bike ride, mechanics and support. Like it was super pro, right? Because I had a lot of money behind it, right? If Matt Gravel gets a UCI badge on it, there's going to be some bummer stuff with it, like we experienced at Breck Epic. Right. But there's also going to be a lot of benefits brought to it as well. And so, you know, there's a there's a two sides of that coin. For sure. I I think, and I'll like my final takeaway on UCI and Gravel um, is just that it. I don't want to see it become overregulated so that I think the beauty of gravel is that right now it can be whatever it wants to be. It can be whatever the race organizer or the bike mechanic who's building the bike or the person who's conceptualizing what their next bike is. I think the beauty of gravel is that it's still new enough that it can just be what the fuck ever. And I, I just don't want to see that tamped down by people being like, like you can't get it. You can't buy a cross bike, a cycle cross bike, that doesn't have, or that has bigger than a 33 tire on it because the UCI says that anything bigger than a 33 is, well, guess what? That rule was made a long ass time ago. Yeah. So that, that's the kind of shit for me. Um, but I also see what you're saying where it's just like, yeah, maybe all of a sudden there are way cooler events with way more behind them. Um, and so that evolving the sport isn't bad either, but if I, if I had my pick, I would say no. I think I'm going to go with a, uh, my take on it is I will do gravel events, but I ain't training for that shit. Cause that is, <laughs> I'm gonna go mountain bike. I don't know if you need to train. Like, I think if you are an endurance mountain biker, you'd be all right. I don't think you need to train for gravel. I also don't think you'll win. I think a roadie's going to win gravel every time. Yeah. Almost every single time. Every time. You know, and that's what, like, with our routes that we built, there was enough single track tossed in there just to, like, because I just want a roadie to crash. No offense, guys. <laughs> like, but, like, like, if you crash in the single track, like, man, I was winning until I, there's a, a, a pro rider out of California I follow, mountain biker, uh, but he's terrible at technical. And so any course as technical is like, I was, in, I was in first place up the first five climbs, and then I got into the chunky spot, and like, oh, I'm taco to wheel and then i can't ride my bike yeah i'm like well you're not a mountain biker dude you're a road guy yeah and so like you know so um yeah 
but I'll do the events because they are fun. They are fun. And and again, I think it's just because the bike is, it's, when we did our, like, I can only, it's the bike apocalypse and I can only have one bike and you were like, I want like a long travel, single speed hardtail because it's never right for anything. Yeah. Um, so it's right for everything. I think gravel bikes are kind of that way too. Like for the terrain, there's, you're not riding the right thing because it's, it's everything. So you're just kind of splitting this weird, awkward dis- difference. And it, it just makes having the wrong bike for the whole course makes it really fun. Yeah. You, you're <laughs> the timing of that statement. Yesterday I rode green mountain with Abby and, uh, I was on my single speed. She's on her revolver and there were three guys out there on gravel bikes Yeah, in like three years ago, four years ago, if that happened, I'd be like, I'd, I'd kind of, I wouldn't necessarily talk shit to them, but I mean, I'd talk shit behind their back after the past, <laughs> right? Be like, what are you doing out here? Yeah. But the way it's moved, they went by and I was like, dude, that actually looked like they were having a ton of fun, you know, like ripping box of rocks yeah. on a gravel bike. Yeah. I was like, that's a pucker factor right there. Oh, like, dude. That's pretty wicked cool. I, I get to, I get a little sketched out on a mountain bike. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they're just, they were just ripping it. And they, I think they had like 40s on, but still they were sending it on the gravels. I was like, you know, I know I didn't poo-poo on it. I go, I might go do that. I go do that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right on. Well, uh, what's next? Next for me, uh, two weeks, head down to Costa Rica for the Secreto. So in this episode, it's going to keep going on and on and on because this is the only time we get to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Laruta got canceled because they couldn't get a permit for the event for the size of the event. Is the other event smaller so they can get a permit? Yeah. So Laruta was going to, you know, Laruta is going to have, Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of competitors. Right. And it goes across the country through several communities. Just dragging COVID across the country. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) And like, yeah, exactly. And to communities that don't have the bandwidth to to survive in the event that something bad happened. Right. And so it's got a lot more, uh, much higher profile, a lot more publicity. uh, And then getting all of those different municipalities to agree. Like everybody agree on everything. There was just no way that I do this. it's it's, It's a non-starter. Um, Secreto is a three-day stage race and it goes out of Las Catalinas, which is a private resort community. Okay. So it's a brand new community built in this cove and it's like cars aren't even allowed on the streets. It's pedestrian streets only. Like it's like a super bougie, isolated, all-inclusive, um, resort town. And the race is going to just come start and finish. With okay. Each day. So it, it, you're not, it's three stages, yeah. but you're not dry. And it's a, yeah. technically it's happening on a private. And it's all, it is, it's all private land yeah. and uh, capping it at 250 participants. Okay. So uh, that, yeah. And that was a big concern with like, bookings getting canceled. So um, that was where they got their confidence with it. So yeah, my wife was asking, she's like, so LaRuda got canceled, but he's still going to Costa Rica. How does that work? I was like, I, I don't I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. And I, you know, once LaRuda got canceled, I was like, it's probably going to get canceled also. But yeah. no, so I got that. But, I, but LaRuda is like 600 plus riders, right? Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. it's totally different scale. Dude, when we go there next year, you'll like, it's, I mean, there's a fleet of 15 Range Rovers fully branded in buses and like. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It's, yeah. it's a huge deal, right? Like, um, but uh, yeah, this one's going to be smaller. Actually, it's super small. I think the field side, the fields are really, really small. And everything I'm reading now, um, it's really just about like fun, mm-hmm. you know, they have like bands and food trucks at the resort after each day. Like, I think it's just supposed to be like a fun thing. So I'm really not going to put my serious racer boy hat on. Like I'm not doing any, I'm not going to taper. Right. right? Like I'm right. just going to keep riding and then I'll go there and just have fun. And it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So that's um, the second week in November, second weekend. Yeah, the race is like 17, 18, 19th of November. 
Um, and then back, and then I finished the year with Dawn to Dusk, 12 hours uh, at Dawn to Dusk in Arizona with Elander as my partner. Nice. And uh, we'll be racing against Chad and Victor. They're going to come, they're going to battle against us. Oh, very cool. So I'll have two no ride around teams down there. Well, there's never any shortage of racing, apparently. <laughs> no, dude, you just got to book the plane ticket. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, I unfortunately have to go do bike shop stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that's all we got for today. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, y'all. Don't wait. You're not done. So get the fuck out. Don't wait. You're done. So get the fuck out. Don't wait. You're done.